Hey guys, it's Ed, and I'm coming to you live from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in New York City. And today has been a rel- relatively normal day for me. Relative being, rel- um, relative is a term I'm using very loosely since my normal is not your normal. <laughs> um, my computer's still a little funky, but, um... Will and a couple other people have given me suggestions on how to fix it. And, um, so that that's another character there. So yesterday was one of those days where, seriously, I could have just drunk myself into oblivion. I didn't. For the record, I did not. But, you know, when it, when you have a bad day, sometimes you just feel like you need... A drink or 50. Um, and Colton Hayes, Colton Haynes, excuse me, went through that. So, in 20, um, in 2016, 2017, he divorced his husband, or began to divorce his husband, Less than a year after they got married. Then, his mom died. Which, first of all, I mean, one of those is stressful enough. But one on top of the other has to be really, really, really stressful. So, you know, I kind of get it. And, And I do feel for the guy. But I think he went about the coping all wrong. But, you know, it's not my truth that I need to not um, say anything. But we're going to talk about the story anyways. Because I'm, I'm actually very proud of him for for getting sober. So he went on a week-long bender at the um, Waldorf Astoria in Los Angeles. And... I don't know what he drank, but he apparently had bruises all over his body. Um, he's lost partial vision in his eyes. And he suffered from two seizures. And I'm, I'm sorry, like... I've had a lot to drink at points. But I've never had been that bad. So... I, uh, I, I'm really curious as to what he was doing. He also said that um, he had been hired for a big comedy movie. And on the first day, he showed up. And the producer said, you looked it in the eye, you're fired. <laughs> Which, damn. So he's, um, So he said after the week-long bender... It looked as if someone had beaten the shit out of me. I couldn't walk, so I was falling everywhere. I almost ruptured my kidney, ended up in the hospital, ended up in a 5150 psych hold. I was on such a destructive path that I could not function. I mean, you know, he sobered up. Um, he's, he's doing well now. Um, and that's all we can really hope for. Like I said, you know, 
it does feel kind of funny to me talking about these celebrities like Wendy Williams and Colton Haynes and um, the such who who are sober, who go to get sober. Um, but the but this the show is called Drunk Gossip. Um, there's a little bit of a weird dichotomy there. Um, I'm not gonna lie. So, but at the same time, I'm not actively trying to get them to drink. And I, you know, if someone chooses to be sober, I applaud them. Choosing to be sober, choosing to um, take care of yourself is a very revolutionary choice in, in today's day and age. And frankly, I think it's it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I also think it's a wonderful thing that I'm going to go and I will be right back. And I'm back. So, one of the big storylines throughout season three of One Day at a Time is... Rita Marino's character having what she calls a bouquet list. And it's just all these things that she wants to do before she dies. Obviously, um, it's derived from um, Bucket List. And they, were just, they were just having some fun with it, I think. Um, but it also got people to talking about what they want to do on their quote-unquote, bouquet list. And, you know, with me, I would love to have a New York Times bestseller. Um, I, I don't know a writer in the world who would say that that's not what they wanted. And if they say it, they're either lying or they're pretentious. And no, I'm not sorry for saying that. <laughs> um, but basically everything else... I do what I want to do. Um, so I can't really think of anything else that I would really, really want to do. Maybe go to Egypt. Anyways, I I totally got sidetracked. And just I, I just need this noted. I'm actually using notes today. <laughs> so clearly notes do not keep me on track. Viola <laughs> Davis... Um, scratch something off her bucket list when she went skydiving. This was a huge fear of hers. Um, I guess she's very, very scared of heights. <clears throat> so, she went, um, 12,000 feet in the air and was coming down to Earth at 100 miles per hour. And there's a video, and I, I so wish, um... That we had the, had the blog or the vlog running. And you can hear her screaming as she um, comes down to earth. And there are words I didn't even know. I was like, girl, girl. <laughs> she says, it was awesome. And the ultimate exercise in letting go, tackling my fears and freedom. 
loved it. As a smart woman once said, courage is fear said with prayers. You know, I really think that we need to, we really need to start taking um, our fears and kind of twisting them. You know, Viola Davis is always such an inspiration. She's so devastatingly talented and can ring just just an ordinary line and milk it for all the drama. It's honestly one of the things I respect most about her. Um, I think... Like I said, I think she's very talented. I think she's very... Um... There's there's nothing she can't do. And I don't say that lately. I don't say that, you know... um, I don't say that trying to sound like a suck-up or anything like that. I just really think that Viola Davis... Um, has a factor that not everybody has. Um, and this fearlessness that we're talking about really shines through in her performances. Like, you know, yeah, I said, you know, she might have been scared of heights at the top. And, and um, I'm pretty sure that's, like, a thing. But... She didn't let it stop her. And that's what I'm getting at. Like, some of us let fear stop us. And Viola Davis like, mm, fuck that noise. And, again, I just think that's such a brilliant... Um, that's such a brilliant thing to say. A brilliant thing to... To pass on to people. Because why should we be afraid? You know... Anyways, this is where I would normally call for you to tell me what's on your bouquet list, but obviously you can't unless you call in. If Call and leave me messages um, on Anchor, and I'll see if I can play some um, in an upcoming episode. And I'm going to go, and I'm going to be right back. And I'm back. So, y'all know I don't like Trump. He ruins everything. The country, the world, Chris Evans and Tom Brady's bromance, everything. <laughs> Seriously, though. Um, so, I don't know if, if everyone knew this or if it was just me. Um, because I paid too much attention to this shit. <laughs> Um, Chris Evans is a huge, 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 um, New England Patriots fan. And I can hear the eyes rolling. Um, right now it's, it's into not like, um, the New England Patriots. And it's, it's into really not like Tom Brady. And I get it. I mean, it makes it, it makes sense. Um, they're they're on a winning streak. 
and all this jazz. But at the same time, we really shouldn't hate them because they're winning. Um, I hate them because they cheat. Oh. <laughs> um, the flight gate will never, like, I think that will tarnish Brady's legacy forever. Um, anyways, Chris Evans has always had, like, this bromance with Tom Brady, and, you know, they really seem to like one another. But, um, Chris has some reservations now. He says, I really hope he's not a Trump supporter. I'm just hoping he's one of those guys that maybe supported him and now regrets it. Maybe he thought it was going to be different. And even that bothers me. But maybe there's a chance now that he just thinks Trump's dumb as shit. Which he is. Captain America just called Donald Trump dumb as shit. (laughs) Do you know how fantastic that is? (laughs) And I know I'm turning off the Trump supporters. All two of you. I swear, I if there are any Trump supporters left listening to me, y'all are brave, because you know I'm going to bash them. <laughs> so thank you for being brave, and thank you for listening to me. And hopefully maybe something I say one day will change your mind about, about Donald Trump. <laughs> but seriously, like... And Chris is not wrong. Um, you know, we all have friends. And and I say that fairly confidently, even if you don't know that they voted for Trump. I, I'm pretty sure we all have someone in our life who we know voted for him. Um, we don't have to like it. We don't have to agree with it. We just have to acknowledge that it, it happened. Um... And I really hope that the ones who did support him for whatever reason. Um, the reason I hear most often is he wasn't Hillary Clinton. I think that's a stupid-ass reason. But, you know, I was, I was always going to vote for Hillary. So, <clears throat> there's that. Um... Um, Chris continued, he said, if he doesn't, if he's still on that Trump train, I might have to criticize. It's really tough. I think maybe a couple of years ago, I might have tried to pull some, like, mental gymnastics to compartmentalize, but I don't know if I can anymore. So I'm just hoping he's woken up. You know, they have, and by they, I mean Trump supporters, have turned the term woke into almost like an insult. Like, oh, you're so woke. Yeah. Yes, Darlene, because you wouldn't let me stay the fuck asleep. Um. (laughs) Seriously, though. (laughs) I, you know... I don't... I I don't blame Chris. And 
you know, Chris has always been a very huge supporter of the LGBT community. Um, actually, let me rephrase that. That was my sneeze apology for missing some letters. <coughs> oh, excuse me. The LGBTQ A plus community. Um, because his brother is gay. Um and I just think he's a decent human being. And as I told you <coughs> in one of the drunk encounter segments. You know, I've actually met Tom Brady. I didn't talk to him for very long. He was very polite. Very nice. Very gentlemanly. Um, He just seemed like a regular guy, so... You know, he may may just not want to talk about his politics. I don't know. Um, But what I do know is I'm going to go and I'm going to be right back. And I'm back. Alright, so... We're going to talk some James Patterson. Best-selling author in the world. Um, various genres. Mostly sticks to thrillers. Um, and lately he's taken on a whole co-host. Oh, <laughs> let me rephrase that. Wow. He's taken on a whole host of um, go, um, co-authors. Um, and like I said, they span the genres, mostly thriller. Um, but he's made some really big headway into, um, true crime. And whereas John Grisham actually did do due diligence and looked at all the evidence in The Innocent Man... James Patterson, I don't think, did. Um, and I'm not judging. Okay, I'm judging. <laughs> here's, here's my thing. I... I write true crime. And, I mean, I do it a little bit differently. Because I look at the, the more human side of things. Um, and I also kind of poke around a little bit and see what evidence, um, people have. Sometimes it's circumstantial, sometimes it's hardcore, but I always try to just see, like, what, what else, um, that another, another writer might have missed. Part of that is because uh, my training as a gossip columnist um, for Generation Gossip, um, for my trending stories, and for Drunk Gossip has taught me, like, it's taught me to, like, slide up and eavesdrop and ask the right questions, so to speak. And, And so that's what I really try to do. So I was poking around and I've been looking into the Aaron Hernandez case, which is really, really intriguing. There's, there's so much information available about it. And one of the things that 
I've kind of started to find is he um, he was out as bisexual. And for whatever reason, and again, I, I had not read the book myself, um, but I was poking around, looking online, and it seems like this was just skimmed over. And I'm not sure why. Um, you know, I, I'm sure they had their reasons. I just don't agree with, with skipping over this. And I don't agree with skipping over this because I think um, his sexual orientation actually played a huge role in why he did it. After, after Hernandez hung himself, he... Um, it it came out um, that he had a lover in prison, and uh, he actually um, was dating another man when he was playing football. And some people have speculated that he was even dating the man that he killed. And that's the whole reason why the man was angry was because um, Hernandez would not come out. I don't know if that's true. I, you know, and we may never know. And I can understand not putting that part in there. Although, the word allegedly was created for this situation where you could say it is alleged or allegedly yada, yada, yada. You know, people are so afraid to do that. And I don't know why. But, you know, something like that is a huge motive. And it flushes out the book a little bit more. It makes people understand, oh, okay, like, this is something that... This is something that really matters. Like, this obviously would affect how someone sees something. You know, it's... It's honestly so easy for us to say, oh... You know, he was just this big bully who had too much testosterone and killed. It's much harder to say... That there were sexual politics at play. And I'm not sure why. Um, when I was writing Love You to Death, in almost every case, there was some sort of sexual politics at play. Um, the one that springs to mind immediately is um, Bruce Snyder, who was the first woman, or the last woman killed. Um, by the electric chair here in New York. She was having an affair and convinced her lover to kill her husband so that they could be, um, so they could be together. And right there is just such a 
such a plot and such a um there are so many other words that could be used honestly but you get what I'm saying like you know she she loved the man she was having an affair with she wanted to be with him but in all of the reports except for one it was very much she and her lover committed the murder for the insurance money but there was so much more at play than them just wanting the insurance money yes the insurance money was a big factor but let's take a look at what else was going on and why it was happening and let's take a look at me going and coming right back and i'm back so all week we have been talking about the view and all of the feuds and the backstage gossip that never really um, leaked out to the mainstream. Um, and all of this is coming out because there's a book coming out on Tuesday, April 2nd, called Ladies Who Punch. And <clears throat> the author who writes for Variety was able to talk to some of the um, former co-hosts. I'm not sure if any of the current co-hosts, because like I said um, in previous episodes, there's been very little come out about Joy Behar. Everything that's so far that's leaked has been about um, Rosie O'Donnell. Um, there was a little bit with Whoopi Goldberg in there, um, with the Rosie-Whoopi feud. Um, Joy Behar, who you would expect to have, um, played a much much bigger role, seeing as she's an original co-host, has had nothing come out about her. Like, literally nothing. Which is very surprising to me. Um... Excuse me, um, there's been some Elizabeth Hasselback, some, I'm trying to think of who else, um, anyways, oh, there, there was some Star Jones stuff that came out, um, I'm not gonna go do a whole thing about it, but basically Star Jones believes that, um, Barbara Walters and another one of the co-hosts leaked um, that she had gastric bypass. It's such a ridiculous thing because we all knew. (laughs) Anyway, so we're going to talk some more about um, Rosie O'Donnell and her feuds. This one is courtesy of... Kelly Ripa. Uh, and it, it's one of the things that I honestly forgot about. Um, mostly because it was so nonsensical that it was, it, it, it was one of those things where you really could easily forget. 
And no one would be mad at you for forgetting about it. Because, honestly, it's so stupid. Um, so, I don't... Back in her first go-around, um, on The View, Rosie, um, Kelly Ripa was interviewing Clay Aiken, or co-hosting with Clay Aiken, because I think Regis was off or something. And Clay put his hand over Kelly's mouth. And Kelly took offense to this. And I'm not going to argue whether it was right or wrong. Because, frankly, um, I don't know that it's any of our places to say whether it was right or wrong. Um... It is, I, you know, I just take it as a it is what it is type thing. And with this, it, it's such a silly, silly thing. Um, but so, so Kelly Ripa did that and said, I don't know where that, where that's been, honey. So Rosie got really irritated and called called Kelly out for that and basically said um sorry not basically she actually said it she said if if that was a straight man if that was a cute man if that was a guy that she didn't question his sexuality she would have said it a different thing I think Kelly Ripa is mean and she doesn't like me and she never wanted to discuss what happened she wanted to have this weird feud. She's the girl from Pine Valley. She and her husband met on the show. That's my fucking sweet spot. I would I would have loved her my whole life. I see her at concerts sometimes. She just looks away. You know... I... I actually kind of agree with Rosie on this. I don't know why Kelly Rupert wanted to have a feud. But I I can see that. Um, The whole thing is so bizarre and so weird. Because... You know, it's... Uh, I, I'm trying to just think of the right way to say this. And I'm not sure that there is a right way to say it. Um, first of all, they're on the same network, so them feuding does nobody any good. You know, if Kelly Ripa had feuded with, I don't know, um, someone not Rosie O'Donnell, um, that would have been, I don't want to say better, but it would have been, (laughs) um, 
I, I'm trying to think. Like, okay. If... If she had feuded with... Um... Oprah. Which, okay, that was, that's a bad example. Too. Anyways, you get what I'm saying. Like, she could have, she could have feuded with Ricky Lake. Ricky Lake didn't have a show then, but whatever. Again, you, you know what I'm saying here. Um, it would have made more sense. Um, and that's, that's all I'm getting at is her feud with Rosie, them being on the same network just made no sense. Um, I don't know if she thought Rosie thought she was better than her or or what happens outside of obviously um there is a lot going on with this um but so coming back to Clay, he got really angry with Rosie because he felt like Rosie outed him and he so then he had to come out. Um but Rosie's explaining her side and she said, So I I had just held a crying boy and then watched him be gay bashed by Kelly Ripa. Um, and here's what Clay says. The truth is she added me in a way because I had not been out yet. When she said the words, if that was a straight man, she was confirming that she knew that I wasn't. That was the worst day of my life. I don't think I've had a moment more devastating to me, but I remember feeling like shit that day and totally defeated. But I definitely wasn't mad at her. I'm glad that he's coming out and saying, like, I wasn't angry with Rosie. Um... Because I, he very well could have been. And maybe he should have been. Um, you know, if someone outed me, it is widely speculated. And we're going to talk about this in, um, in a different segment. I was trying to find my Generation Gossip article about it. Um, but it was widely, widely speculated and believed that Ted Casablanca, from, formerly of E! News, outed George Clooney. And it was such a spectacular thing because, um, I don't, if you guys don't remember Ted, again, we're, we'll talk about this in another, in another segment, but Ted would use, um, code names, like Jake Gyllenhaal was allegedly Toothy Tile. And so he would write up the art, the item as though he were actually going to publish it with with their real names and then go back and change all the instances where he um used the name and change it to the nickname but he forgot to do that one time and it was about a guy having sex with another man and um so and right after that, um, he lefty. But again, that's that's for another day, another saga. Um, but my point with that was, I would have been really pissed off at Rosie if she outed me. I could piss off now when people out me. Like, that person don't need to know I'm gay. 
<laughs> and then... Will, Will and Co. will be like, Ed, the dead know you're gay. <laughs> it's true. They've actually said that to me. Um, um, so, and this, this all wraps back to then-executive producer Bill Getty. Um, Rosie's really pissed at him because he did a... Um, he orchestrated an on-air phone call from Kelly Ripa and thought that it would make good TV. Rosie says, Getty thinks that makes good TV. Two women fighting. I said, excuse me, Bill. That would be the first time that you sabotaged me on live on the air. It will not happen again. If it does again, I will not be on the show. When it happened again, I left. Presumably... When it happened again was when, um, instead of cutting the commercial like Joy Behar begged, um, when Elizabeth and Rosie were fighting, they did a split screen. Because that really, really ticked Rosie off. Justifiably. Um, that's gonna do it for me tonight, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. And... I am raising my martini glass to you and saying cheers.